2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I had this expectation and I thought that once you get married, there are certain things that are supposed to happen on the honeymoon. And when that didn't go exactly how I thought it would, it set the tone for the rest of our marriage. I had a change of heart and I I can only attribute it to the Holy Spirit. If I had if I had like really stuck to my guns, right? Who knows where we'd be at. Yo. Today's guest is my brother, John Just, and John is uh, married to our previous guest, Floor. If you heard her episode, you heard a little bit about John, and you might think you know where this episode is going to go, and you might be right, but there is some some stuff in this episode that I think is super important for husbands. I, I listened to it again. I thought, I just think it's super important for us to understand Um, so that we can love our wives. And so this episode had a huge impact on me. It's not for kids. Other than that, I think it's time to listen to this podcast. So buckle up, strap in, love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Man, this is real talk. God is loving on me. Colorful and innocent, that's on me. Got me standing in the light and it's on me. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. It's a new thing, it's a new seat. It's a new thing, it's a new dream. It's a new heart, it's a new beat. So, um, dude, uh, we've we've done this before, but I feel like it's gonna be a different vibe because I feel like I know where to go. I know I kind of know where to start this thing, and. I want you to take me to uh, to Chisholm Trail. Oh man! I want you to take me to Chisholm Trail, circa two thousand and one. I don't know when did you, when did you go to high school? Does that yeah, sound right? Yeah, two thousand one. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about this dude. Uh, 
who was this guy at Chisholm Trail? I'd like to see some of these photos. No, um, we're not gonna we're not gonna have any photos today, Rich. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Who's Chisholm this cat? Trail, Chisholm Trail. Um, I I was school school came easy to me, so I didn't really have to study too much. Um, which left me a lot of free time and really all I was interested in in those days uh was girls. And I was I was like a serial dater that just went from one girlfriend to the next girlfriend. Um I was thinking about it the other day cuz I was thinking about like sports and like cuz I was on the basketball team all four years and did all sorts of intramurals and stuff and it's like I didn't I feel like I didn't even take that seriously cuz I really didn't care about anything except whoever I was crushing on at the time. So that was, that was Chisholm trail for me. So, so basketball was a way for you to get girls to notice you or any kind of sport. Like that was more important. It wasn't the winning. It was how you looked out there. No, not necessarily. It was, that was just, that was just something I did with the boys, you know, Mm -hmm. because it was fun, but I, well, I didn't take it seriously. And so like, I was, I was thinking the reason why I was thinking back, I was like, man, what if I had actually like tried or like put some effort (laughs) into it uh, rather than it was just kind of a a thing that I did, uh, that was fun to do. When did you, uh, when did it start with the girls or always having a girlfriend? Dude, I, I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, it was before that. I mean, it's really my entire life. Like I can, I can remember even through elementary school, like each and every year, each and every grade growing up, like there was a different girl and I don't know. I really don't know how that all started, but that, that for as long as I can remember, that's, that's what it's been about. Who, who am I crushing on at the time? Did you, so did you fall for these girls pretty hard or was it like, you were bouncing around and just just like, ah, no. Um, I somehow always found the, um, found myself being broken up with. And I think I told you that last time, uh, like, I don't, I don't think I ever actually ended a relation, maybe one. Um, but I was, I was always the one getting my heart broken, like serially, (laughs) you know? What did that make you feel like? How did that make you feel about yourself? Um, probably like I, like I like I had to work for it, you know. Like I didn't do enough, or I, I I wasn't good enough, and and usually usually I was always getting dumped for like another guy. Um, so I was always it was almost like a like a comparison game, but really really what it turned me into was like some victim mentality. Always. I was always a victim, you know, like I was always, I was always doing, doing all that I could, uh, for whoever my girlfriend was. And then in the end, just getting dumped for someone else. What did you think the problem was? I don't know. I I thought it was pretty great. So I, (laughs) I, you know, like these girls don't understand. I'm awesome, man. Um, yeah, I'm awesome. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So was there any girl in particular that you were just like, 
like any specific heartbreak or was it just kind of all equal, all sad, all sad boy, John? No, it was, it was all sad boy. Like I, you know, like I said, I just went from one relationship to the next. And I always, I always thought I was going to get married. Honestly, like even that young, I was like, oh, well, this is obviously who I'm going to marry and we're going to be together for the rest of our lives. Um, you know, that like it was, it was that kind of stupidity. <laughs> so you're super romantic then. Uh, yeah, I, I used to, I used to think I was, yeah. Yeah. I would always, I would, I would always do these like grand gestures or come up with, with these creative, um, creative things, ways to ask, ask girls out. Or I was always, I was always doing, I was always like doing the most, you know, even, even back then. Was there a time where you were in a relationship that you were just like super, super happy and content and you were just like, oh, this, if only this could just keep going and then it didn't keep going? <laughs> yeah. Was- no, I mean, that was, that was, all, that was all of them. You know, it's like, like I said, I was like, I, I thought I was going to marry all of them and that's just being young and immature and not, not knowing. <laughs> Yeah, man. But it's, it's, it's before like the innocence is lost. So it's all super sincere. Yeah. And that's why I think like high school relationships can hurt so bad because it's before you lose that innocence. And then when it hurts, you like, you really lose it. And then you get kind of just like, and you go off into life. So um, the, did the, you, the, but the trends, the trend was, I was always, I was always seeking, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't content to just be, be still yeah. to be with myself. I was always seeking. I needed, I needed someone at all times. And I found, and I found that through dating. So were you ever like, Okay, let's just jump to this. When you graduated from high school, were you in a dating relationship and that's kind of what led you to a college or? No, no. Um, I wasn't, even though I probably wished I was at the time. Uh, but so after after Chisholm Trail, after Academy, uh, after our graduation, I had decided to go away to school, to leave my parents, you know, leave my hometown and go away to school and go to Southern Adventist University. And it was interesting because I went there. Um, I mean, it's, it's a larger, right. It's so it's, it's still a small, very small school, but by having a standard, it's a larger, larger university. And I didn't know anyone there. I knew two people there. I knew my hmm. roommate who I was moving in with, who was an old childhood friend. Um, and I knew my ex-girlfriend who we had planned to go there together, but ended <laughs> up, you know, not, we still, we still went, but not together. Let's put it that way. Uh, so I didn't, those are the only two people that I knew in, in the entire school when I got to Southern. Going through high school and into college, what was sex in your mind? Was it just like the end all be all? Was this like, yeah, um, that's a good question. I, you know, I definitely, I definitely was raised like, you know, being taught you don't have sex before marriage. And, uh-huh. and I embrace that, but I think I embrace that in a way of a lot of, uh, a lot of people do of where you, you, you know what that means, but 
then you kind of try to push all the boundaries to get as close to that as you can without, without actually feeling like you are doing it. I don't know if you uh-huh. get what I'm saying. Uh, oh, I understand. So what you're saying. <laughs> there was, there was, uh, there was a lot of boundary pushing going on, but never, like I knew I was like, I'm, I'm always gonna wait, you know, for marriage uh, to have sex. And so it, it, it had built up, especially, um, you know, in, in college, it kind of builds up into this thing that you're, it's like highly anticipated. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not something it's not, so I knew that I wasn't going to, I knew I was going to wait no matter what, even though it was, it was how'd you know, how'd you know? Like why, why was that such a big deal to you? I don't just, I guess that's how I was raised. Really? I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rule follower kind of by nature. And so if, if someone says, well, that's the rule, then I believe it and I, and I accept it. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're waiting. I'm just wondering, I, I mean, I feel like we have a ton in common and I knew I wasn't going to do it, but it wasn't because I understood sex. Cause I obviously didn't cause I wasn't having any it it was just this thing like this is the worst possible thing i could ever do and i don't there was a there was a lot of misunderstanding but i knew i wasn't going to do it and i didn't want to do anything else either but like if it happened i I just would get super frustrated with myself yeah I, and I, and it was kind of like, I was okay, uh, pushing the boundaries as much as possible, knowing that I would never like actually cross the line. So that like, that wasn't, that was in high school. Right. Um, and second, second week of, of university, second week, freshman year is when I met my now wife floor. So we, we met, met literally in the second week of school and I pursued her from that moment. So like I, you know, like I said, it's like, I, I was always seeking, I always needed to have someone. Um, and so you just saw her and she's like, and you're just like, Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. I thought she was the most beautiful girl I ever saw in my life. And, uh, yeah. So I, I just, I pursued her hard. How did she take that? Was she, reciprocating the feelings or was it, what was that like? Uh, probably not at first. <laughs> I think I just wore her down to be honest. <laughs> uh, How did you wear her down? You sent dozen white roses to her room every day no, or like what? No, dude, my space. So my, that's when, this is when my space <laughs> was big. Right. And, uh, I would just send her these long messages. I would, I would get creative with it. I would put like, I'll put like hidden messages within the long message, you know, to see if she would pick up on that. I, I, I won her over with my words and she was, she would say that too. Um, that it was those, those messages that really like finally got her like, all right, I got to hang out with this guy. That's a bold move. Okay. So you started hanging out pretty soon. Yeah. We started hanging out and we started dating and we dated pretty much straight through all of college. Um, how did, uh, 
how was it like did you wonder how the relationship was going or were you like yo she's she's the truth yeah. so i don't care how it's going like i just want to be with her um well you know because not wanting to break the trend you know i i fell in love i'd say pretty quickly but it wasn't until it wasn't until like junior starting to move into like senior year where i even began to think of marriage and I knew, I mean, I knew that I loved her. I knew that we both mm -hmm. were in love. Um, and the, the plan for her was to go to Loma Linda after Southern for graduate school. And so I, I knew this and I'm just remembering now, like, I really think, so when I decided to propose to her, I really think it was almost based out of fear of like, if I let this girl go to Loma Linda, she's, she's going to be gone forever. She's going to, you know, she's going to meet some doctor or some pre-med student and I'm going to lose her just like I lost every other girlfriend I ever had. And so I proposed, I did, I did a grand gesture proposal. Uh, I think it was pretty awesome. Uh, our senior year. And she said, yes. And we got engaged. Did she say, did she know it was coming? No, no, I, I was able to surprise her, which was one of the things she said, if you ever propose to me, like I need to, it needs to be a surprise and I want like my family and friends involved somehow. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. No pressure. Uh, but I was able to pull it off and totally surprised her and, you know, asked her, asked her to marry me in, in a way that involved her family and friends and. So she, she had no choice but to say yes. <laughs> Did you, you knew she was going to say yes? There was yeah. not a question no, in your there, mind? There wasn't a question. Like I, I knew she would say yes if I asked her. Dang. So what year is this? When did you get married? It's, it's right before graduation. So this is like senior year of college. Senior year of college. Yeah. So you get married. What was that like? <laughs> it was great. Uh, it, was, it was a great part. We got married in Texas. Uh, with all my family there, all her family there. It was probably one of the hottest days in Texas. It was like 110 degrees that day. I remember trying to take photos and just sweating, uh, sweating my butt off. Uh, but it was a great day. It was a party. We had fun. Um, great wedding. And then the honeymoon came. <laughs> the honeymoon. Yeah. Um, and I think when I think back and like, I was just talking to someone about this this morning, actually. And it's like thinking back in our marriage, a lot of people will say, oh yeah, the, you know, the first two years were great or the first three years, whatever that period is was great. And then, you know, things started to go downhill, but like for us, I can like confidently say like there, we didn't have that like great period. It like things kind of started to go downhill straight from the honeymoon, unfortunately. What happened? Well, why, why, why was it going downhill? Well, um, so we, we honeymoon, we were going to Europe, so we were going to, we we're going to stay in London and spend some time in Paris and the honeymoon, the honeymoon itself was great. That, that wasn't the problem. Um, but it, going back to your question about sex, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, we both waited for each other. Mm -hmm. We, you know, I had this. I had this expectation or this, um, I mean, I guess I, to be honest, I didn't really know 
right? I didn't know anything about it, um, but I had expectations and it had been this huge buildup of kind of my, you know, my adult life. Um, and I thought that, right, once you get married and there's certain things that are supposed to happen on the honeymoon and when mm-hmm. that didn't go exactly how I thought it would, like maybe uh, like you see in the movies or whatnot, um, that's, I mean, that's really where things started to deteriorate. And that might, it might seem, that might sound, I don't know, shallow or like, um, like it's not that big of a deal, but looking back, I think that was kind of just the, the trigger of, of where, of to set the tone for the rest of our marriage, to be honest. So you had some expectations. I mean, you don't have to go into, I mean, like <laughs> you're just expecting it to be like, like, to be a, like an amount like or the, a, like yeah, just expecting to be like the movies, right? What a, a cliche, uh, newlyweds cliche honeymoon, you know, like what, what does culture tell us about sex and, and, and the honeymoon? Right. And when that didn't happen, I immediately thought like, well, something's wrong. Hmm. something's wrong and i didn't know is something wrong with me or something wrong with you like i I didn't know right um so did you figure that part out no (laughs) no uh no i didn't and over over the year you know moving from being newlyweds into being Mm -hmm. you know married three, four, five, six years, I still was never able to figure it out. Um, We actually weren't able to figure it out until like two years ago, about nine years into marriage um, before we figured out some of the issues. Um, So if you've heard, if if you've heard Flora's story, uh, you would hear her say that she, she was diagnosed with endometriosis, which is something mm-hmm. I never, I never heard of uh, until a couple of years ago, but it's a, it's a, a disease that women can have that affects their, their ovaries and the re- reproductive system. And one of the results of this disease is that sex or intercourse, you know, is very painful. Hmm. And so I, neither of us knew <laughs> Uh, right. knew about this uh, or didn't have this diagnosis. All Flora knew was that when we had sex, it was extremely painful and therefore she didn't like it. Right. Um, yeah. oh, well, I mean, why would you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, of course. Of course. Why would you? Um, but her not understanding that and therefore me not understanding that for years upon years, um, really did a lot of damage to our intimacy as a couple. So pretty early on, she knew that she didn't like it. Yeah. And, and you were like, why not? Or like, I mean, what, how did that make you feel? Like that, you know, your wife didn't like it. I mean, it makes you, it, it makes, it makes it brings up all sorts of emotions. Um, a lot of insecurities of, you know, like, does she not like me? Is she not attracted to me? 
Um, am I not good enough? Um, am I not, I'm not, am I not man enough? I'm not supposed to, am I, you know, not able to take care of my wife, uh, and the way that she needs to be taken care of. And like, just also all sorts of things. And it, she, you know, she didn't know because she didn't know she would, she would try to find all sorts of reasons of why this was happening and why we had this issue in our marriage. And it ended up getting to the point where, you know, she would, she would tell me like, it's cause I'm not attracted to you because that, that, that's what she thought. She had no other answers besides like, Oh, well, I guess I must not be attracted to him. And that's why I have this problem. That's how ignorant, I, you know, we both were. So she said that she's like, yeah, I'm just not attracted to you. Yeah. You know, and, and you're just and, like, cool. <laughs> no, well, no, it wasn't cool. You know, like that's, yeah. I'm like, you know, we're married. Like I'm your husband. You're my wife. Like, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. Right. So it's, right. it's knowing that this, this part of our life is not right. Um, but in, it was, it was kind of like our biggest, darkest, darkest secret for the longest time, you know, cause we, 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 we have this great life and we, we have, we do have so much fun together. Right. And we, we live that Instagram life and, everyone perceives that things are fine and, you know, we're doing great, but secretly, you know, behind closed doors, we have these issues, um, that keep building and building and building. And on, on my part, it, it was the resentment that was building. I begin to resent her hard. Um, would you guys talk about it after or, or like after a while, did you guys just stop talking about it? And like, like we, this is our life. We would, uh, for sure. Especially, you know, towards the beginning. Right. Cause I'm like, uh, trying to figure out, figure this out. And she, she consistently, you know, she just didn't have any answers. She didn't have answers for herself and therefore she didn't have answers for me. And so she would get, tired of talking about it. And it got to the point where she would tell me like, listen, like if, if you bring it up, it, there's going to be less, less, it's gonna be less likely of a chance that, that we're going to have sex if you keep bringing it up. So it got to a point where I just kind of like threw up my hands and I was like, well, this is my life. This, this is it. Uh, my, my, i I married someone who is not sexually attracted to me. I don't know if she's sexually attracted to anyone. I, I don't know. I don't know what her problem is. It's not me. It's not my problem. This is, this something's wrong with her. Um, and yeah, and that's, I mean, that's where we were living, the, living this, this great, happy life on the outside, but at home, I'm feeling miserable because you know, I, I have this burden hanging over my head and her feeling miserable in a lot of ways because she knows that it's not right, but she doesn't know why she's, she doesn't know why she's that way. You know, why is she acting that way? How did you cope with, uh, feeling miserable? I not, not well, Rich. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was, it was tough because like, like I said, it was, it was a secret. So I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. 
I carry, I carried it myself and it, what it turned into is, is me turning, turning to lust really. Hmm. And I was just thinking about this. Um, cause of course, I mean like there's, it's so easy to, to look at porn or anything you can ever find on the internet. And I, that would happen occasionally. Um, but really it was more, more internal on my own mind of making up all sorts of fantasies, um, you know, sexual fantasies, uh, of, that I would use to cope with this, this missing part of my life. And I was thinking about it today as I was thinking about the podcast. And it's like, I, I was looking for this affirmation that, and through the form of sex, but I was looking, I was looking for it and missing it so bad that I actually, that's what the fantasies were that I was making it up. I was making up the affirmation that I was desperately seeking from my wife and wasn't getting. That's all it was. It's just so like fantasies of you being affirmed. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, yep. And it ended up in some kind of sexual thing, but you just really wanted to be chosen and really wanted to I, be I, like, yeah, you're the man. I, well, I wanted to be wanted, you know, and not wanted by anyone. I didn't want to be wanted by anyone, but floor. It, if it came right down to it, right. You know, I could, I could make up any scenario in my head, but if, if any of those scenarios like actually came true, if like that was actually real life, I would be terrified. I would want nothing. I would want nothing of it. Cause that's not really what I wanted. What I wanted was the affirmation for my wife, which I felt like I wasn't getting. Well, no, I, I wasn't getting. Um, and so that, that was, that was one of the ways that I coped with it. And it, it was not healthy. <laughs> so she, she like, was the Lord. She was the Lord of your life. She, she was the Lord of my life. Yeah, absolutely. She, my, my self-worth was directly tied to her and however she made me feel that day, any given day. So if she was nice to me, if we had a great time, um, then my, my self-worth was, was riding high. But if she was mean to me or, you know, she didn't, she didn't give me what I thought I deserved. Then my self-worth was in the dirt. So she was definitely the Lord of my life. You think she knew the power that she had over you? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, actually I do. Um, and she, um, Old floor was a savage. Well, that's, that's what, that's what I was just about to say. Like floor, she would tell you that she was a savage and she was a savage, (laughs) you know, she, that's, that's not an exaggeration. And so she, she knew that. Um, and she, she was so, she was so prideful and old floor was so prideful and so selfish that, you know, she, she reveled in it in a way, you know? Yeah. She, she she didn't care. She knew, but she didn't care. 
So you say you were living an Instagram life. Um, what, who is God as now you're into your marriage and things aren't going well? Was he a part of your life at this point in these years or what was he? Yeah. Um, God is, God has always been a part of my life. Uh, you know, so growing up, right. It's, he's a part of your life in the way that you, you see him in your parents, right. In the way you're Mm -hmm. raised. And as you grow older, um, like when I went off, when I left my parents' home and went to college, when I went to Southern, you have to, somewhere along the lines, you have to make a choice, right? Of, do you, do you believe in this thing yourself or do you believe in it? Cause your parents, um, told you to, and God, you know, I, I definitely made the choice, um, to keep God in my life. And I remember through college, I, we, um, was the first time really that I, I formed a relationship, a personal relationship with him myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I would say after we got married and, and living in California and then especially moving here to Colorado, um, even though he was a part of my life, I started to make kind of micro decisions mm-hmm. here and there that compounded on each other and compounded on each other and slowly started destroying that relationship that I had. And not in the way of like that I didn't believe in God or I didn't know it was right. That was all, you know, that was never the case, but making compromises on my beliefs and what I knew to be right. Um, small at first, but like I say, they, they, they compound. Right. And so over several years time, it's like, you kind of, you find yourself in places like doing things that you never thought you would do or, or being places you never thought you'd be. Mm -hmm. And it's not that big of a deal because all those, all those incremental uh, compromises have, have built up to it. Right. Right. And so I would say that over the course of our marriage, um, unfortunately, you know, God, God drifted further and further away from, from our home. Um, even though we were still, but we were going to church, right. And doing all the things outwardly that we knew we were supposed to do. Um, we were making compromises. So this is a tough place then. I mean, you said from the outside, it looked cool. You're in church. You're two good-looking people. <laughs> Seems like you're happy. And you're double income, no kids, so you get to travel and, and do all of this stuff. Um, how long did it take for you to just... For the resentment to just keep on just building up into a place where you couldn't... I mean, what happened? Um... Well, it, it, it continued, it continued to build and there wasn't, it, it, it just continued to build. And I had, I had resigned myself. I, I had resigned myself that I would never be happy. I mean, and that is, that is a sad state to be in. It's, it's a mis- it's a miserable state to be in. And especially when you're alone, right? When, when everyone thinks that you're actually happy, 
but mm. in the inside, you know, you're not. Um, right. and I, and I had to resign myself to that. And I, I would tell myself, man, that's crazy. I would tell myself like, well, if I can just make it until we're old, right. Until we get older, because <laughs> when we get older, you know, sex is not going to be important. Um, you know, our bodies are going to fall apart and it's not going to matter anymore. Right. So this like, yes, like floor was on the, the seat, the throne of my heart, but also this idea of sex that I was never really getting was also on the throne of my heart. It's almost like I, I had become, I had become addicted to something that I never have that I never would have. Like, I don't know if that's even possible. It's almost like I was addicted to the idea of it. And so this resignation of like, well, if I can just make it until, until we get old, uh, you know, this, this problem will go away and we'll be able to finally be happy. And I mean, that's depressing just to even remember that, you know, it, I was, I was miserable. And yeah, man. I think as I, as I'm hearing this, if someone's listening to this podcast and they're just like, well, the moral of the story is that, you know, if they've already heard Floor's podcast, that Floor figured out a bunch of things and then John figured out a bunch of things and now they're happy in this way and they do get to have sex and, but like, um, I don't want to do too much of a spoiler alert on your, on the end of your story, but like the answer isn't, that now you have, like, now the people who in your mind owed you something finally paid up. It isn't, it isn't, oh, now um, justice has been served in all those years where I was waiting and waiting. Now I, fi- no, we, we, we have found something else. Yeah. That, um, we realize that nobody owes us anything. And I, I'm just, I, I don't want people to, to listen to this. Like this podcast isn't about at the end of the day, you get the car of your dreams and you get the mansion. It's that you get something that is much sweeter than that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so like, you know, saying this of how, how this idea of, of sex was on the throne of my heart, even back then, even in death, right? I knew that it wasn't about the sex. Hmm. Like I, I knew that even, even though I couldn't shake it, I deep down, I knew that. Like I, I knew that it was about, it was about the affirmation and feeling valued. Right. I, I knew that that's, that's what I really wanted. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that sex in my mind, <laughs> uh, in deception, sex was the way that that was communicated. Right. That was the medium. Um, but I, I knew that that's what it was. And, and yeah, after it was only after coming to the realization right, of, of, of who I am and, and who does affirm me and, and how I am wanted and how I am special and how I'm a son. 
it was only then that I could let go of that obsession. Hmm. It was only it was only it was only when God replaced floor on the, on the throne of my heart that this was that it was even possible. Yeah, because so much of your story resonates with me, man, and it's almost like we've been taught to think the wrong way. We've been taught to think that in marriage, this means this, and this has to mean this, and you have to have that, and this means that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think that in, in a great marriage, that sex is super healthy, and and I think that's important. But, like, you don't have to have it. No. Yeah, I what you just said is so true. It's like what I believed was, well, if I if I put in enough work, and when I say work, I mean like doing the chores, cleaning the house, doing nice things, buying gifts. If I do all the right things, well, then floor wife, you should love me. And the way that you're going to show that you love me is by having sex. Right. And so when that wasn't happening, I translated that to, oh, well, you don't love me. Hmm. You don't want me. Even when I'm doing all these things and I deserve it, why is it not being, why are you not, why are you not holding up your end of the bargain, essentially? So you mentioned this to me before. You guys would, like, this isn't like, a, oh, we were only having sex once a month type thing. This was, uh, dude, you guys would be going for, for dude, years. Or this something like this, this was, there was multi, multi-year periods, uh, dry spells in the relationship. And so I, <laughs> right. Beyond the cliche, beyond the, beyond culture saying that, Oh, guys always want sex and, and girls don't. And you, you know, there's this dynamic between man and woman it is it is so far beyond that right and 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 that is why that's probably why i had i just i had lost all hope right it wasn't like oh we weren't having it enough it was like oh we weren't having sex at all right and and it was it was our like i said it was like our deepest darkest um, secret Okay, I wanted to take a break right now to tell you about our Bible studies. And we have Bible studies. We have we have them almost every single day. So if you want to vibe with this community, you want to talk to people who have been walking this out, you have questions, you want to you want to see where in the Bible it says the stuff that we're talking about, then like I said, you have many opportunities. We got Monday night. We got Tuesday morning. Uh, man, we got we got so many Bible studies. So please, if you want info for this, please email steady at lovereality.org and we'll send you all the hookups. You'll have all the information and uh, you can join up. So please, 
This is where life happens. This is where it's going down. Steady at lovereality.org. All right, let's get back to the show. So um, let's fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you're living that life and she comes, she, you guys find out about this disease. What What did that do? Did like that help you in some way or like? Um, I think, I think it helped. First and foremost, I think it helped Floor tremendously. Um, I mean, I can't, I can only imagine being in her shoes, right? Of like. Oh, my whole adult, my whole married life, you know, I have had this, this burden and this struggle and I I have no clue. Like, I don't know what is wrong with me. And finally, finally, a doctor, a trained professional tells me, oh, this is what's wrong with you. Right. You're not, you're not weird. You're not, um, there's nothing wrong with you. Like with your psyche, right? Like you have a disease. It's not your fault. So for uh-huh. her, it was extremely liberating. Um, I don't know if I had that profound, <laughs> I don't know if I had that profound of a reaction to be honest. Cause I was, I was so, I was still, I was still such a victim hmm. um, in my own mind. And so I, I don't know. I, I, it's almost like I, I believed it. Of course I believed it, but I was like, well, that, that's not the whole explanation. You know, there's, there still must be more. There's still something wrong with you. Cause if that's the whole explanation, then you kind of have to feel bad for being resentful and well, and yeah, being I, selfish. I can't be, I can't feel bad for you when I'm feeling so bad for me. You know, <laughs> I was feeling too bad for myself. And, you know, to feel bad about her. And so that, that was this, this, we're getting to the kind of the, the climax of, of our problems. Um, and this, the diagnosis, what led right up into it. Cause if you heard, if you heard Flora's story, doubt that she is having an, an, uh, an affair. Um, how'd you find out? It is the wildest thing. I, I observed her take a phone call and just from the way she took the phone call, I just knew, I knew it. Oh, mercy. I, I, I mean, I remember it, it, it was, it was new year's day, 2019. I observed the way she took this phone call, the way she kind of like scurried out of the room. And I just knew, I knew right away. And, like, was she trying to be nonchalant? So it didn't look like yeah. she was being secretive. So that's why yeah. how you knew it was secretive. Yeah. I just, I just, I just knew immediately. And, but unlike man, Rich, maybe, maybe I'm a part savage too, but unlike a normal person like that wouldn't, you know, who loves their wife and maybe you, you sit down and you have a, like a talk, you know, about this, or you would confront her in some way. Nah, I didn't, I didn't do that. I, I was like, Oh, Okay, so if this is happening. I I'm not going to let on that I even know about it. I'm going to let it continue. And so what I what, what ensued was I don't know, a month, two months of me basically just playing online detective and basically gathering as much evidence 
as I could against my wife to make a case that I would be justified in leaving her. That- Dog, n- never underestimate someone who feels sorry for themselves mm-hmm. and is a victim. Never underestimate how far they'll go. Well, because yeah, there's no end when you're a victim and you feel sorry for yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was a victim before this happened. So you can only imagine once, once I had this information at my fingertips, how much more of a victim I played myself to be. And, you know, and so I was, I was, I was basically building a case. And so I find, but it, I mean, Rich, that war on me. So like, I, it got to a point where it's like, I, I, even in my, my sad victim mentality, like I can't handle any more of this, you know, this is, this is brutal. Um, and so I finally, I confronted her about it, uh, in a very cold way. And I told her, listen, um, I'm, I'm going to divorce you. Um, and wait, hold up, hold up. Is there a moment like you found out for sure, for sure? No, it was, it was for sure from, from the beginning. You, I, 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 I knew, I knew from that phone call. Did you know the person? Um, I had met her one time. Oh, and so that, so this, this was, this was the, a big part of the story and was the fact that it was, it was a female affair partner. And it's, it's very important because I really honestly, Rich, I don't think things would have played out the way they did if it had been another guy. I really don't. And the, the reason why it was so powerful, it was so, um, it was like, a, like just the final straw for me was because I, here I'd been for years being told like, you're not it, John, like I'm not attracted to you. You know, I, we, I regret getting married. Like you're, you're not it for me. Mm-hmm. And so remember how I told you, like, I had that hope of like, well, if we could just make it to when we're old, mm-hmm. that hope was like taken away because I'm like, well, like you're basically, you're, it's not just me that you're not attracted to or that you don't want, you're not attracted to, and you don't want my entire gender. Right. So you can, you can only imagine like any, any hope of a, a future happiness was just erased so if it would have been a dude you how i mean i wouldn't i would not i once have felt hopeless in that same way i know i wouldn't have right because that hopelessness is was was brought about just the fact that well you don't even like men so how could i ever how could i ever win how you know how are you ever going to like me if you don't even like men? Right. And so once, you know, once that, Dude, was, let's, let's, once that was a part of the equation, it was, I lost all hope. It was over in my mind. Um, I mean, it's all sad, <laughs> but it's sad on her. Like I'm, I'm thinking about her more than I'm thinking about like, when do we, when do we start feeling bad? for others and stop feeling bad for ourselves and see the deception that would make somebody do something like this. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and so I never, I never thought about it that way because I, Rich, I already wasn't man enough. 
right? Hmm. So it's almost like, oh, well, of course. <laughs> in, a, in, right. in, a, in a lot of ways, actually, actually, I'm, I'm just remembering, it actually kind of affirmed me, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't just me. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's not something wrong with me. She, right. she doesn't like men. <laughs> so in, in the same moment of it, like taking away all hope, it actually kind of, in a weird way, in my mind at the time, explained a lot of things. Like, oh, no wonder she doesn't like sex. <laughs> with you know, Maybe she's attracted to women instead of men. Did you ever feel bad for her? No. I was too busy feeling bad for myself. I knew, so, I, I knew, I knew like, um, intellectually, right. That she was struggling because in a lot, you know, it really, it, when you, when you grow up, uh, the way we grew up, like this, is, it really is out of left field. Like you would never really expect that to happen. And so the fact that it did, I knew intellectually that she was really struggling. Like she was searching, she was really searching and I knew that, right. but I was too wrapped up in my own feelings, my own sorrows to, to feel bad for her. So, I mean, I don't think I'm going out on a limb here when I say this, you did not love her. I, I certainly did not love her in the way that I thought I did, you know? <laughs> and, and it wasn't honestly, Rich, it wasn't until I heard your podcast, your episode uh-huh. Where you, where you said that really, and because you you were talking about how you would how you, the things that you put on your wife, the burdens that you put on your wife, and uh-huh. it's like, man, I did the same thing. I did the same thing to Floor, and if I really truly did love her purely, I wouldn't have, like I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, because love is not like deep feeling it's a decision that you do not keep record of wrongs that you deny mm-hmm. yourself that you don't seek your own and that you sacrifice and and i i was only sacrificing with expectations to get something in return you know so it's not really and a I sacrifice really, you know, if i give you a 20 dollar bill but i'm expecting a, a 40 dollars back i'm not sacrificing well and it's not really love because that's, no. that's not what the Bible says love is. No, it, it may be, I mean, it may be Hollywood, like you care deeply yeah. for, like you really enjoy that person. And, uh, but like, we're that's not what we're built for. Like we're built in Christ so that somebody does us dirty and we release them from that Mm -hmm. we were living at each other's expense right so when you when you uh pull out the uh the oh i know and she gets freaked out like how did that feel like did you feel good no 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 i didn't feel good and the, the, the entire time, uh, 
the entire time that, you know, that I maintained that I wanted a divorce, it, it didn't feel good. Um, I w I was deeply grieved by it because again, mm -hmm. even in deception, like I didn't want to get a divorce. I didn't really want to get a divorce. I didn't, I didn't want our relationship to end. Right. Right. Um, and so, but I, I, I had resolved to do it for my, like, I don't know, for my future self, you know, like the only way that I may be happy one day is if I do this, even if I'm grieving it in, in the moment, I felt like it's something I had to do mm -hmm. to be happy one day. And so in a lot of ways I was, I was, I was grieving it, you know, like I, yeah. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't feel good at all. And so that, and so that's why, that's why eventually, eventually I, I had a change of heart and I, you know, I remember, I remember how it came to, and I, I can only, I can only attribute it to the Holy Spirit, really. I, I was in, I was in Parker Avenue's hospital and at work and I stepped into the chapel and I just, you know, my, my life seems to be falling apart, uh, at home. And so I'm just in there and pray to pray. And I had this epiphany of like, well, John, you don't have, like, you don't have to split up. Whereas before I was like, I thought that was my only choice. Right. Like, well, mm. this is it. This is. I, I, my hand, my hand has been forced, you know, this is going to be my, my get out of jail free card, essentially. Um, even though I don't really want to do it, I, I'm going to have to do it. And this is my only chance biblically <laughs> to get out of the <laughs> Uh, but I had this epiphany of like, well, no, John, actually that's not, that's not your only option, right? You, you could reconcile. <laughs> And, and so I actually had a change of heart, Rich. And I was like, and I, I came back to floor. I'm like, listen, you'll never believe what I just came up with today. We, we can, we can reconcile and we can stay married. <laughs> and she's like, uh, yeah, I don't know if I actually, uh, if I want to do that anymore now. Um, and you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, I, I can only attribute that to the Holy Spirit because if I had, if I had like really stuck to my guns, right. Uh -huh. then who uh -huh. knows where we'd be at. Um, but I, I, my had, I had my heart turned towards, towards reconciliation, which eventually, eventually we did. Um, we, we just, after, after Burning Man, it was after Burning Man, if you heard Flora's story. Um, so, you come you're you're down for reconciliation now she's not her pride is kicking in yeah. you're in this period this is 2019 and there's this long period where you guys are not divorced you're living in the same house we are in separate bedrooms rich uh <laughs> i had my your my bedroom and she had her her bedroom we, did anybody know this no well that's that's not true i i a couple of my friends knew um, because I needed, I needed support and eventually actually, and, and at one point she actually told me that she was, I, I needed to leave the house. She was kicking me out of the house. And so 
I had to try to find a place to stay. <laughs> um, but the weekend, right. The weekend that I was going to move out, um, you know, she told, she had a change of art herself and told me not to move out. So I didn't actually end up moving out, but we definitely were living separately under the same roof for eight months. I don't know, eight months of the year. So when, when do things start to change? Thing, things took a turn for us. We somehow, somehow floor, um, found this, this counseling group that puts on marriage, like boot camps, like three day intensive, uh, boot camps. And so there was one that was going on in Nashville that this company, uh, would put on and, she said, well, I'm booking this. And this is probably a month, a couple months, a month or two after Burning Man. And she said, I'm booking this trip for us and we're going to go. And this is either, either like, this is going to make, like it will make or break us, right? Either we come to reconciliation during this, this weekend, or we're going to find out that it's it really, truly is over for us. Hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. Because I can't keep living in this limbo. Like, like I'm, I'm sleeping in the guest room of my own house for eight months. Like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this, right? This limbo right. stage. So I'm like, cool, let's do it. I'm all for it. And so we, we go and it turns out to be a really good experience for us. Rich, like we fought as soon as we landed in, in a national airport, we fought. We went to bed. She 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 was so angry with me when we got to the Airbnb in Nashville. She's like, "This is a, it was like a one bedroom Airbnb," and she said, "You're sleeping on the couch." I'm like, "Cool, I know my place. I've been sleeping. I've been sleeping basically on the couch this whole time." And but Rich, I'm telling you, by the end of that weekend, by the third night, we were sleeping in the mm-hmm. same bed for the first time all year. Oh wow! So. It, the boot camp was the turning point for us. And it was, you know, wow. it was great. Like they, they, they taught us a lot about like how to communicate and um, how to relate to each other. And it, it was, it was super helpful. And immediately after that trip, we basically went straight from Nashville to Cuba. Don't ask, don't ask why. <laughs> Why you set it up that way? Because I, you know, you think to yourself, you're like, man, if things had not gone well in Nashville, what are we, how are we supposed to go on this trip to Cuba? Like, <laughs> what were you doing in Cuba? Was this vacation? It was vacation. Cause I'm telling you, man, the, uh, the Instagram life was, was real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so we go on this trip and it really is us figuring out how to even relate to each other and how to talk to each other after this, such a period of like pain and betrayal and, and hurt. Right. And Mm -hmm. so, and so that's in, I think that's in November or October, October, November of that year. And, and we get back from that trip and, you know, things are feeling, things are feeling like they're swinging in the right direction but all the old issues that, you know, that I described earlier, like none of that has been dealt with. Right. It's still there. Sure. Even though we've, we've kind of made the decision and made the commitment to each other that we're going to work on this and, and reconcile like all that old stuff 
uh, you know, her pride, um, my, my addiction to lust, like all of that was still there. So, you know, I, I, our marriage, our marriage was in the right direction, headed in the right direction, but it wasn't saved at that point. Right. Yeah. So then you, he hears about love reality coming to town. Yeah. So this was, now we're in fast forward a little bit. We're in February, 2020, mm-hmm. right before the pandemic. Like at this point, no one, no one knows a pandemic is coming. Like well, maybe some people know, but we certainly did not know. Um, and we, we show up, I show up at this love reality thing again, that floor had, you know, floor turned me on to, I'm like, sure, I'll go. And the first thing I hear is Tyler and Morgan's testimonies. That was the mm. first thing I heard. And I, I just relate, I related to it so much. I was, it, it, it was an eye opener in the fact of like, Oh wait. So other people struggle with what I secretly struggle with, you know? And not only that, but Oh, their marriage was saved. Like, you know, their marriage was turned around. That hope, that hope that I had at one point lost, it was like, I saw it in their testimony. Were you uh, Morgan in the story or were you Tyler? (laughs) Where did you, where where did you relate the most? I was Tyler. 100%. Yeah. And I, and I saw floor in Morgan. And so I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it's, it's kind of like, if, well, if, if they made it out, okay, maybe I can, maybe we can make it out, okay. And so that, it was that testimony. And I told Tyler this when I saw him, is like, that was so powerful because really what that did was hearing that first primed me for the gospel message that Jonathan delivered, hmm. right? Yeah. Because I, I was already, I had already, I, my soul and my heart had, already been opened and I was holding my hands like this to, re- to receive that. And then Jonathan just hit, hit me with the, with his, I think it was wave two. And I instantly received it. You just gave away the secret to the podcast. What's that? We tell all these stories so that people could realize what <laughs> Jesus has done for him. Right. Yeah. That's the whole purpose is not just to hear a crazy story. Um, yeah. And we have found over and over and over again that this is the way to do it. Well, I am living, breathing, and fully alive testimony that it works because it worked for me. So after you're hearing this I don't know. It was like the first or second night you hear because Tyler's story is a, is a long one. And when he tells it at a love reality event, I cry, bro. <laughs> I cry hard. Uh, we were in Michigan and he told it and uh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I get emotional just thinking about it. So you, you hear this story. Do you, you and Flora talk about it? Oh, uh- do you th- or is it just like a hmm. no? I mean, we we <laughs> we 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 talked about it every night. 
we would drive home every night after the meetings, we would drive home and just be like, like, or like our minds were blown, you know, like, how come, like, I've never heard this, uh, this way before. Why, where has this been like my whole life? Flora's like, you know, like my dad's a pastor. I never heard him say anything like this. Like, it was just, it was almost like, like you're hearing all this stuff for the very first time, you know? And you're just, you're just almost like your mind is blown. Um, and we would just, we would just talk about it every, every night after, after the meeting, you know, hearing, hearing crazy things like free from sin, you know? and I don't know. It's just, yeah, we, we, we both received it without any opposition. Like there was no pushback. There was no doubt in our minds. We were just at a point in our life of this, uh, from our, like I said, from not from night one of the honeymoon until then we were ready, right? After everything we had been through, we were we were just at the perfect time to receive it with open hands. I love this thought of you guys driving home and you guys are saying a bunch of stuff. But the main thing that I think that I hear coming out is like, yo, God really does love us. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> it's just like, but it's like you've received it. Yeah. It's about you. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, and so it sounds stupid. Well, but it's not. No, I mean, you're you're exactly right. Because right, it was like those first, the first hearing the testimonies of Tyler Morgan is like, oh, God loves them, right? And then right. throughout the week, you're like, oh, God loves us too, <laughs> right? And so it was just, it was just perfect. It's kind of like the old switcheroo. You're just like, man, I want what they have, and at, by the end of the week, you're like. Oh, I already have what they have and I've had it. Yeah. I just didn't know yeah. it. That's so much better yeah. than trying to get this thing. Exactly. So it was pretty soon after this uh that you guys are on our like we get we just I mean you guys have heard if you're listening to this podcast, you know what happens. Like the pandemic happens and we go online and we do like five wave one, AKA free from sin sessions. And one where we said we were going to do wave two, but we just did wave one. Cause it's kind of hard to do wave two. Um, and you guys told your testimony on there when someone said, Hey, could you, well, I don't know if it was Eddie or somebody said, can you do your testimony on there? Were you just like, uh, yeah, like how did that, like, when did it like settle in? Like, yo, we're different mm. now. Oh man, that's a good question. Um, so yeah, during like those, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to like those zoom meetings and the zoom sessions. And I think, I think we did, it was like, it was like back to back. Like we did two back to back. There was like not even a break. I don't think. So it was like, basically it was almost like two weeks just every night we're in it. Right. And so that, because the first, the first week in Denver, like, man, you're, it's, you're hearing so much crazy stuff that your mind almost doesn't have enough time to process, process it all right. or catch everything. Right. And so those two, the zoom stuff was really awesome because it gave us time to hear it again and then again. So we really got to, I don't know, to, to soak it up. 
Um, and I don't, I wish, I really wish, I really wish I, there was like a singular moment that I could think back and be like, of that realization of like, oh, we're different. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a single moment, but every day for the past year, I, literally every day, I think to myself how different I am. Just me, personally. How different I am. I would, I would never, I would never be on this podcast, Rich. Old John would never be on this podcast. I've been thinking about old John a little bit because it sounds like I never knew you, dude, but it sounds like you were really cool. Like old John is like a good time, like super fun, but isn't a guy who's really going to be preaching a sermon or telling a testimony and if we're going to get on the subject of God, it might be a little bit uncomfortable, even though like your family's super Adventist and everything, but you're super fun, super cool, uh, guy. Yeah. It, yeah, I, it was not in my mind, old John, it was not cool to talk about God. Right. No. You know, it was, it's, it's cool to go to church and, you know, this stand up and sing some praise songs and, you know, to pay your tithe and all that, that's cool. But like to sit down and have a conversation with, with a buddy about God, that would never have happened. It told John. Never. Now it's like the coolest thing ever. Huh? <laughs> well, now, now I'm not cool anymore. So it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, yesterday I was, I was buying a car <laughs> and this woman has a, uh, Hebrew tattooed on her wrist and I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I'm like, what does that say? She's like, Oh, it says peace. And I was like, I'm sorry, lady. You're about to hear a lot about the gospel from me right now, as you're probably like making me buy all this stuff that added onto the car that I'm sure I you're don't like, need. Oh, let me tell you about peace. Like I have peace, even though I probably got suckered in this deal. Um, but yeah, like I had to tell her and her eyes were welling up. Like she was like, cause I'm describing a God who is love. And she's like, that's so good. Yeah. I'm like, it's, it's true. Yeah. Like this is who God is. He loves you. No, I, I think about, I think about this a lot. And like when I was a kid, I don't know, elementary age, even high school age, right? Always in Adventist school, always. And so they would bring people in. I don't know what it was for. Maybe it was a week of prayer. Maybe it was a chapel service. Maybe it was Sabbath school. I don't know, right? But you hear people get up and they say, I'm going to give my testimony. Like, all right, cool. And I don't know, maybe you remember it. Maybe you don't. The point is, it doesn't matter. Like I felt that I would never have a testimony to share, like my own testimony. I just didn't. Cause I was like, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't foresee myself going out and like doing drugs and being homeless on the street. And then I, you know, find myself doing ayahuasca and in, in South America, like Chico, like, you know, I, I didn't think right. That anything crazy like that would happen. Therefore I didn't think I would ever have a testimony to tell. And so I think about that a lot because everything that we went through in our marriage, like actually 
we do have a testimony. Like God, God not only saved our marriage, he saved our lives. Like he changed us. I am not the same man that I was two years ago. I'm just not. And I'm th- I, I thank him for that every single day. No, man, uh, your uh, freedom looks amazing on everybody, and it also looks different. We really are who we really are in freedom, mm-hmm. what we were created for. Because so much of the time, like, we were created for something, but we want something else, or we go for something else. Like, we get weird because of pressure, cultural pressure, pressure from whatever. And so we're operating in some whack stuff. Um, and we really look like we're trying. And in freedom is just like, in freedom, it's com- it's kind of like everybody's just resting mm. because they are who they are. Yeah, there's there's no there's not that pressure to try to be something that you're not or that you feel, you know, feel that you need to be, right? There's there's no there's no pressure. And it and it is it is the ultimate form of rest, bro. You just rest in your identity. Yeah, you're like, this is who I am. This is who I am. Finally, I can mm-hmm. chill. I can put my weapon down. I can just be who he purposed me to be. And that version of me is the version of me. Yeah. It is the way. It, and now I can love. It's like, feel free to love now. <laughs> feel free to actually love your wife. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, one one thing that I have observed in our marriage now, living in freedom, is like, you know, maybe if someone, someone from the outside, maybe if they saw us before and they saw us now, it might not even look that different, you know? Right. But for me, it's, there's a big difference. So when I would, when I would do all these things for floor and the pat, when I would, I would get up early and like make her breakfast and pack her lunch and send her off to work, you know, like I was, I wasn't doing it out of true love. It's like, I was doing it to get something back. Right. And so even though I may do those same things now and it looks exactly the same, I do, I just do it because I love her. I don't, I don't need and I don't expect anything back from her. And that that's what freedom looks like in our marriage now. That's beautiful, dog. Yeah. If you uh let's say and we'll we'll kind of wrap it up with this. Let's say that there's a a brother who is in the situation that you were in yeah. and is really feeling sorry for themselves. And everything, every, all, even the Christian literature, all of this literature and the whole world says, like, you should be having sex this amount of time. You've got to be a stud. like, And it's not happening and they're feeling some type of way about themselves. Like, what would you, ta- what would you tell this, this person? Man. Um, I mean, the first thing I would tell them is like, like, hey, and I, I know what you're going through. Like, I relate, like, I understand you. You're not mm-hmm. alone, right? You're not the only, you're not the only one who felt that way. Because that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. I thought it was, I thought it was the only one. Um, 
But after after hearing so many stories, really, you know, you're talking about stories and testimony. Mm-hmm. After hearing so many of them, I realized I am I am not alone. We are not alone. You know, uh, in you know, in, in death, right. We're not alone. There's, there's, there's death everywhere, unfortunately. Right. 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 For sure. Everyone, everyone is, has their own, uh, things that they're struggling with, but I guess I would tell them, man, and until you, and until you understand your identity in Christ, like, I don't know what, I don't know how else to put it. Like that's, that's, that's the only answer. You know, when you have to, you have to come into an understanding of, of, of who you are as a son of God. Otherwise, outside of that, I don't. I have. I have no answer for you. You know, there's no twelve step plan. There's no book I can give you. There's there's nothing I could tell you that is going to help fix that for you, unless you understand your identity. The other day, Natalie and I were talking, and I was like, I don't know what would have happened to us if we wouldn't have gotten free. Like, I had no solution to any of our problems. There was no solution. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have, I have nothing for you except for that, my guy. That's, that's what I would tell him. I love your story, dog. I love you. Maybe uh, you and Floor will come on here again later, and yeah. uh, we can chop it up with what marriage looks like. But, um, yeah, if uh, if you're listening to this and you want to get in contact with John, uh, hit me in the DMs because he's not on social media now because uh, he was living that Instagram life, and uh, it was Fugazi, and now he's living the real. That real piece. So if you want to get a hold of John and you want to ask him a question, uh, let me yeah. know. Well, and thank Rich, I just want to thank you real quick. Like, like I said, like I, I was the guy who never thought I would have a testimony, right, to share. And so I'm just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share a small part of it. One hundred percent, bro. Got me singing like glory. Yeah, it got me telling my story Know that your love is pouring on me And love is pouring on me River flowing in and never ends More than life, more than me, more than just pretend And you can feel the freedom from within Free to fly, be the child that you always been Yeah Thank you so much for listening to the show today. We would love it if you could share this so that people could hear uh, more of these stories. And a way you can do that is to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a high rating. If, if you give us less than a five star, I'm inclined to believe that you're not really rocking with us. So give us a five star rating and, and throw a comment in there. If you're going to talk about us on social media, go ahead and use the hashtag death to life. And let's get that hashtag going. This podcast is a production of Love Reality. And if you want more information about Love Reality, go ahead and check us out at lovereality.org. This show's produced by Tyler Morrison and Katie Prusha. The sound and editing is done by Addison Collingsworth and Eddie Cornejo. And then the Johnny on the spot is Annabelle Harper. And the artwork is done by Felix Gassman. Thank you so much for listening. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. Mm-hmm.